0: I'm a little under the weather, and uh, so you can pray for me for that for sure. Pray for you guys that it, this isn't too rough as I hack my way a little more than usual through this message this morning, and uh, so I, I apologize in advance for that, but uh, feeling just a little under the weather. But uh, mostly you can pray for me for another reason. You know, my son is a junior in high school, and he plays on his school soccer team, so I find myself in uh, on some occasions watching these soccer games, so you can pray for me. Uh, I was at one of these soccer games uh, just the other uh, night, and uh, uh, you know, my, my kids go to Bonner High School, and uh, Bonner Springs High School, and you maybe remember Zach preached a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that in the, our student ministry, there's uh, just students from all of the area high schools, or most of the area high schools, you know, Leavenworth and Lansing, and and, and Piper and Bonner Springs and Baser and just most of the area high schools are represented in our student ministry here at Wallula and so it's kind of fun when uh, one of you know my kids are participating in these sporting events, and you go and you watch and they 're playing another high school with uh, students in our student ministry and families from wallula and it 's kind of fun to interact in that way and, and that 's what what happened uh, this last Wednesday. I was watching a, a soccer game at Lansing high School, and so Clayton, my son, his, his small group leader, came to the game and, and his, some of his kids and students in the small group came to the game and so it was just kind of cool to see that. And we were sitting around uh, together and, and mostly we were surrounded by other families from Bonner Springs. And so most of the fans in our area were Bonner Springs fans. Now, I, you know, some things happened in the soccer game and I, I won't bore you with the details because the only thing more boring than watching a soccer game is listening to somebody talk about them watching a soccer game. But there's these plays in soccer, you know, sometimes they call offsides, and and it's one of those plays, what you need to know, if you're not familiar with soccer, what you need to know about offsides is that it's sort of a judgment call, and, and no matter what the decision the referee makes, like half the people are going to be upset with it, right? They're not going to like this. They're not going to enjoy this at all, and we're sitting there surrounded by Bonner Springs fans, and the referee continues to make or not make these offsides calls, and people are cheering or jeering in whatever fashion they feel led to do so, and, and most of them are sort of, well, they're Bonner Springs, and so if it goes for Bonner Springs they're yay, great call, and if it goes against Bonner Springs, they're like, I can't believe that, that's a terrible call, and so you've been there, that's how it goes, and, and uh, so we're enjoying the soccer game, and there's one person in particular, and I'm not going to name any names, but it was Laszlo, who was sitting there with us. All right, don't be embarrassed. This is okay. I love you. And uh, he graduated from Lansing High School, and so he's cheering for Lansing High School. And so as this guy's making these calls, well, the, they, they're the opposite of everybody around him, and I'm sort of really enjoying this. You know, it's making my experience much, much more fun, because... Let's face it, I'm watching a soccer game, and so this is really more fun to watch the people around us as these sort of cheers go uh, in opposite directions, and it's kind of fun, but what I notice is is that people start to sort of scoot away. You know, they're like, hey, oh, that was great, and a little further away. In fact, somebody came up to me at halftime, and they're like, I had to move away. I, I, don't, I don't want you to be offended, but I, that was really embarrassing, I'm like, I thought it was kind of great. It's all right. It doesn't matter. And as I thought about that, I thought, man, there are so many things in this world. There are so many things in this world, some of them really big, and some of them really, really small, like sporting events, like a high school soccer game that can motivate us, that will encourage us to either scooch away from people or to scooch a little closer to people. You know, and and as I think, I thought about that, and I, I thought about the reality that far too often we're scooching away from people that aren't just exactly like us, that maybe don't cheer for the right team, that don't come from the right place, all those sorts of things, right? As I'm thinking about that, I'm also thinking about a God. You know, this morning we sang this song, and it ends with that chorus, holy, holy, holy. And it ought to remind us that our God is a big, big God. That he is a powerful God, creator, sustainer, redeemer God. And he is absolutely holy. And that none of us are him. If there's anybody in the universe, right, that has the right to sort of scooch away, it would be our God from his creation. We are so, so not like him. And yet, that's not who our God is. You know, he created us in his image. He loves us so much that he makes this way to scooch a little closer and to scooch a little closer. Now, in fact, that's what he calls his people. That's what he calls his church to do in this world, to figure out how we can scooch closer to people rather than scooch further away from them to figure out how we can show his love in this world rather than showing our own selfishness. And I think as we continue in this series, A Long Road Home, we're going to continue in this story. We met Cornelius uh, last week, and, and this week we're going to be introduced to Peter into this story again, and Peter's going to get involved, and we're going we're gonna to learn together how we can scooch a little closer to people. And I f- think in this story, in Acts chapter. 10, verses 9 through 23, it teaches us three steps to moving closer to people rather than further away. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them to Acts, the 10th chapter. We're going to start reading in verse 9. We're going to work our way this morning through verse 23 in three steps to uh, seeing people the way God sees them, loving people the way God loves them, just scooching a little closer to folks this morning. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 23, Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 23. This is what God's Word says. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds then a voice told him get up Peter kill and eat surely not Lord Peter replied I have never eaten anything impure or unclean the voice spoke to him a second time do not call anything impure that God has made clean this happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate they called out Asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to this house. Uh, so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Three, three steps that I think are taught here in this story. The first step is that uh, we need to, to be a people who, uh, who pray. We need to live our lives on this foundation of prayer. Look at verse 9 with me. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Now, when we read this story, we have the, we have the uh, advantage or disadvantage, depending on how you look at it, I suppose, of knowing how the story ends. And so we know that Peter is, is coming from this, this, uh, this background of being a Jewish man who has all these rules to follow and this law. And he, he's, he's lived his whole life trying to do that the very best that he can. And that's really important to him. And he's, he's learned for, since he was a little boy that, you know, he's, he's one of God's chosen people. He's a son of Abraham. And, and this is a big deal. And that if you're not one of God's chosen people, then, hey, we can't really have too much to do with them. We have to stay sort of set apart from everyone else and and so that's sort of how he's been uh, living his life and and that's what he remembers as a as a young boy and and we know that this there's going to be this transition here that God says I want you to go meet Cornelius and and Cornelius isn't a a jewish person but i want you to share the story of jesus with him and and the church is going to be inclusive of everyone god wants to make a way for everyone to know him through his family through the church and and peter's going to give into that kind of once in this chapter and and again a little later and he's going to be reminded of it a little later in his life and and so it's going to be kind of a struggle for him but that's where he's going to get And so we sort of know the end of the story. And if you didn't, spoiler alert, that's how the story ends. All right? But Peter's not there. You know, he has no idea that these three men, we know that last week we heard, hey, you know, God was preparing Cornelius. And Cornelius sent these three guys to go get Peter. And so we know these three men are on their way to get Peter Peter doesn't have any idea of that. We sort of read verse 9, or at least I do on occasion, thinking, well, of course, this is going to be a hard thing for Peter to do. You know, he's going to have to figure this all out. You know, he's going to have to put all these blocks into place. He's going to have to get his ducks in a row, and, and he's going to have to do what God wants. And so that's going to be kind of a difficult deal. And, of course, he'd prepare for that in prayer. If something difficult is coming up, you know, maybe we have to go to the doctor. There's these test results that we're waiting on. We prepare for that through prayer. Maybe we have a test at school, right? We're preparing for that through, well, sometimes just prayer, right? I mean, we're, we, we prepare for those difficult times in our life through prayer, but Peter isn't expecting any of that. You know, he doesn't know what's, what's ahead, we have technology that helps us know what's ahead in our world today, right? We we're walking around with these little devices in our pocket or in our purses, and we can punch in an address and we can know where to go. You know, there's, this GPS helps us find our way. It's so easy to use. I, I read a couple stories about GPS being used in sort of creative ways. There were these two guys that worked for this construction company. They had a van that that one of them drove home every night from the company and the company has GPS installed on their vehicle so they, they know when the guy is at a, at a job site and when he's not and where he's going. Well, these two guys would leave work every day and for a series of, of several weeks, they, they burglarized homes after their, their day at, at the job site was done. And they successfully, up to a point, burglarized 10 homes. They were caught because, well, they, they used the GPS on this van to place them at that exact time in that exact place. They were found guilty of, of robbing these homes because of this GPS. Another story I read was about a pizza delivery guy, 23-year-old in Michigan. He was he has a job delivering pizzas. He was out uh, on, on a run delivering his pizzas, and he was following the GPS. The GPS said, I need you to turn on the next street after Elgin Street. And so he passes Elgin, he turns right, and he gets stuck uh, somehow on these train tracks. Instead of being perpendicular crossing the train tracks. He gets parallel with them. He's literally on the train track, stuck. He can't move. He doesn't know what to do. He realizes that a train is on its way, right? And so he leaves the car. Then he realizes that he's left the pizzas in the car, and so he goes back to get the pizzas. That's a hero, folks. (laughs) Right? So he gets the pizzas out of the car, and he makes it away, and the train does its business, and the car is totaled, all because he's following this GPS. You know, my, my wife, my kids have these apps on their phones where they can find their friends' phones, you know, all using the GPS so they can know when they're coming and where they're going and, and all this sort of stuff that's a little spooky to me, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried about that, but they, they can track it, and they know it. Well, Peter didn't have any of that. All right, he didn't know these guys were coming. And so why is he on the roof praying? I don't know as if it's because he knew he needed to prepare for something in particular, but only that he needed to be prepared for something. You know, he was on the roof praying because that's what Peter did. Because Peter spent his life prioritizing prayer. Um, you know he listened to to Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 when Jesus said seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you and so Peter lived a life that practiced that principle of seeking first God uh, understanding that that hey I don't know what's around the corner I don't know what's coming up next but I need God to be preparing me And so that's what Peter was in the business of doing. He became hungry, verse 10 says, and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Well, this is sort of interesting, right? He's on the roof, he's praying, he gets hungry, and then he falls into a trance. I guess we need to back up a little bit. Verse 9 tells us that he goes up to the roof at noon. Now, there's a couple things we need to know about noon, right? Noon was not one of the prescribed times for... A Jewish people to pray there's there's a history there's an example set of pious Jews in the Old Testament praying at noon but it was sort of it was not one of the written down mandated times of prayer and so that that kind of gives us a little insight that Peter is serious about his prayer life that he's serious about prioritizing these conversations with God that he's on the roof at noon praying the second thing we know about noon is that it's lunchtime even in the first century the midday meal would be served and often that was the kind of the main meal of the day sometimes even the only meal of the day and so it it makes some sense that Peter in around the middle of the day around noon is hungry and so he stops his prayer time to order takeout right he calls down for uh you know some some food and if you grew up kind of like I grew up in the church learning about you need to spend time praying and you need to spend time in quiet time, you would read this description in verse 10 and you'd think, Peter, you are just a sorry sucker. You know, how can you be distracted by something as trivial as hunger and stop your prayer time? Right? But that seems to be what happened. Now I think Peter is is following some instructions that we read in the New Testament when you when you read in places like 1 Thessalonians when it talks about I want you to pray continually. I want you to pray without ceasing. Now if prayer only means finding ourselves alone in a, in kind of a quiet room without any distractions, you know, alone with the Bible and for sure there are times when that's appropriate and necessary. But if that's all that prayer means, how can we do that continually? Right? How can we do that without ceasing? Well, I think Peter is living out an example that we need to follow, that we need to be talking to God, you know, as our day is going, and and sometimes things are gonna come up and and we're gonna we're gonna have to make a choice about, you know, what to do then and we ought to be talking to god about that choice we ought to be we ought to be talking to god about you know uh, the conversations that we have the meeting that we have at work we you know we can be praying continually even as these things that we might view as distractions come into play and so peter is is hungry and so he stops praying for a minute to to say hey i'm hungry you know what's for lunch and can we can we do that and and then he falls into this trance I suppose we have to stop here and think a little bit about exactly what happens to and and i was just sort of interested i said i i thought can can hunger cause hallucinations and so i i did a little research right and i found out that the answer was maybe sort of kind of perhaps all right so there have been cases where severe malnutrition has maybe caused hallucinations to take place And and to be honest, the Greek word that we translate as hungry in verse 10 is really sort of a a stronger word than just uh, hunger, you know? But it doesn't go as far as starvation. In other words, I don't think Peter is at this point suffering from malnutrition, all right? He's hungry, but I don't think the trance or what happens in in verse 10 and following is some kind of hunger-induced hallucination. In fact, I think the simplest way to read this is to understand that Peter was praying, he got hungry, he ordered lunch, and he went back to praying. And, then, and now God is speaking to him through this prayer. And it's kind of a weird uh, conversation that takes place. Verse 11 says, He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds then a voice told him get up Peter kill and eat all right so this is a weird vision right I have no idea why all these animals are caught and captured in a sheet right if we, when we think of the sheet we you know like a sheet on a bed and it's lowered with all these animals caught up into it kind of like a giant hobo's knapsack I have no idea why that's the deal all right it would make way more sense if hey all these animals were in a pen lowered from heaven but that's not what happens they're on a sheet and and I think what's most important for us to know is not you know exactly which kind of animal or whatever and make a list or any of that sort of stuff but just understand that some of the animals caught up in this sheet would have been according to the Old Testament dietary laws considered unclean and some of the animals caught up in this sheet would have been considered clean, according to Old Testament dietary laws. And Peter hears from God, I want you to go and have this giant barbecue and eat it all. This would have, simply put, gross Peter out. Do you guys know anybody who doesn't like their food to touch on their plate? You know, they're, if their peas touch their mashed potatoes, they get a little antsy. They get worried when the green beans touch the turkey. And, and, you know, some people are, are, you know, they cannot handle it. And if the food touches each other, they're not eating it. A six-year-old recently invented something to solve this problem. It's called the food cubby. I think I have a picture of it. It's this little silicone device, right? This makes a lot of sense. You put it on your plate, it sticks to your plate, it separates all the food. So now your green beans can't touch your mashed potatoes, everything's good with the world, right? And so it has all kinds of practical applications actually over and above just not allowing your food to, to touch you know some folks that, that maybe don't have the dexterity that we take for granted and being able to scoop and poke and and serve ourselves they can kinda squish squish the food onto their plate use that as a barrier you know and and helps out in that way all kinds of practical applications but it just solves this problem well Peter is sort of if you're that person that doesn't like your food to touch and you go ooh that's gross you know, you magnify that by a hundred times or whatever, and that's kind of where Peter's history is taking him with this vision. You know, he's grown up uh, believing that hey, that, those that food, those animals, that food is off limits because of the because of God's law, and to to eat that food would be to ignore God's law, and and uh, Peter just wasn't having any of it. He he said. Uh, Surely not, Lord, in verse 14, Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. So Peter has this conversation. He said, God, I can't do that. God, I can't do that. God, I can't do that. Over and over, you know, he's being told nothing's unclean I want you to eat this I want you to eat this I want you to eat this I don't know what it is about three times with Peter but it seems to take Peter three times a lot doesn't it but I can't imagine you know if I was Peter and I'm having this conversation and one more time I'm being told something three times you know my mind is racing back to that rooster right my mind is racing back to that barbecue on the beach My mind is thinking, man, this must be kind of a big deal. This must be sort of important. And God was preparing Peter for what was next through Peter's prayer life. You know, we can be prepared for what's next. Even though we don't know what's around the corner, we can be prepared through our prayer life. God can can help us to open our hearts to others through our prayer life. So step number two is that we need to listen. Verse 17 and 18 say, While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. You know, a couple of times in the next few verses, we're going to hear that Peter is thinking that he's, he's contemplating what's just happened, that he's not sure about everything he's just experienced. And verse 17 begins like that. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision... You know, he had just heard some things that he wasn't fully on board with yet. And if we're honest, sometimes as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, as we mature in our relationship with him, we're going to be asked to do some things. We're going to learn some things that at first, the first time we hear it, we say, really? Is that, is that really, you know, what God would have us do? Is that really what God's word says? And it's, it's going to be difficult for us to sort of catch up with where God is at. I I want you to know that if that's where you're at, it's okay. You know, that's where Peter was at. He was wondering about what he just said. He didn't have it all figured out. You know, we we want sometimes those answers to be black and white and so clear that we know right away. And that's just not how it works most of the time, huh? And Peter was struggling to sort of catch up with where God would have him. And so he was continuing to think, he was continuing to listen to what God told him, he was continuing to listen to God's word. A few weeks ago at small group we were having this conversation and and, you know, it was one of those conversations that you could just tell wasn't sitting very well with, with some folks. And they walked away, and, and we walked away. Everything was fine, but they were just struggling to hear some of this stuff. And, and so it's one of those deals where as a leader, you walk away thinking, oh, man, I didn't do a very good job with that or whatever. And a couple of days later, I get this phone call, and, and somebody asks, hey, Lance, we want to study more about this. Where can we look? What resources are available? Where do we go to learn more about this thing? And I was so excited. I was so proud of these folks because just like Peter, they were kind of continuing to wonder about this topic right and it's it's perfectly natural and fine that they had doubts or concerns or however you want to express the emotions the thought process that they were working through that we just need to figure this out more we need to continue to listen to god's word you know we want to catch up to him but we have to continue to listen to him Verse 19 says, While well, Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. You know, this is a different, different way that God communicates to Peter. It's, it's a little bit interesting that, that uh, Peter doesn't seem... Did you notice that Cornelius, when the angel shows up, Cornelius has the same reaction that everybody else in Scripture has when an angel shows up, and he's afraid. And when Peter sees this vision, you know, he, that's not the response that we're given for Peter and his emotions and how he reacts. And there's no indication that it's an angel communicating. And I just wonder, this is just Lance thinking out loud, okay? I just wonder if he was familiar with the voice he heard in that vision, right? I wonder if he was, if he was remembering, you know, conversations that he had. You know those three times? You know, he heard about those three times from a certain voice. And I wonder if it was that same voice. I wonder if he had heard, if he was hearing from Jesus in that vision. And now he hears from God in a different way. And the Spirit prompts him to go downstairs and to meet these three guys and as we are being prepared through prayer and as we're being prepared by listening to God's word as we're being prepared by listening to Jesus through a relationship with him and growing that we can be prepared to hear uh, his spirit interact in our hearts and 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 provide us with direction so peter went down in verse 21 and said to the men i'm coming Uh, I'm the one you're looking for, rather. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. We need to listen, continue to listen to God's word. We need to listen to his spirit, and we need to listen to other people around us. Even other people around us who aren't exactly like us. We need to listen to them. Now, you know, Peter begins this conversation with a question. I think he learned this from Jesus. You know, a better preacher would have done this research and gone back through the Gospels and found out exactly how many of Jesus' interactions with other folks started with him asking a question. I don't know the exact number, but it's a bunch. You know, over and over and over again, Jesus had uh, started an interaction, sometimes with people that weren't... Uh, Nobody would have expected him to have a conversation with. Nobody would have expected him to reach out to. And often it was those most difficult conversations that he started with a question. You go back and you look at John chapter 4 where he interacts with a Samaritan woman, this woman who, who in the middle of the day was out drawing water. Nobody would have expected Jesus to have a conversation with a woman in the middle of the day alone. Nobody would have expected Jesus, a Jew, to have a conversation with a Samaritan in the middle of the day alone or at all. And it's in that kind of difficult interaction where there's going to be this rub where Jesus says, begins that conversation, hey, could you help me with some water? Could you help me draw water? Jesus begins that conversation with a question. He he emphasizes to the other person that you matter, that you're important, that I wanna hear from you, I wanna listen to you. And so we need to continue to listen. If we want to see people through God's eyes, if we want to scooch a little closer to people rather than scooch away, we need to be willing to be prepared through prayer. We need to be willing to listen to God's word, to his spirit, and to others. And the last step is that we need to be willing to host. Look at the beginning of verse 23. It says, Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Now, hospitality in Scripture is a big deal. You need to understand that in the first century and in the ancient world, there weren't holiday inns on every corner, right? So if you were traveling, you really were uh, relying on the hospitality of others to keep you safe and to provide, help provide some of the basic stuff you need to survive, like food and water. You know, you need others to be hospitable in order to that, that happen. And so hospitality is a big deal all the way through Scripture. And Peter here is is just exercising that gift of hospitality, and I, I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. First, remember, this wasn't Peter's house. You know, Peter was staying at somebody else's house, which really strikes us as a weird deal, right? I don't know if we'd be a guest at somebody's house and say, sure, come on over for dinner. It'll be fine. That's what Peter does, right? He, he, just, he just understands that, hey, we're on the same team, and, and we're... we're relying on and supplying this hospitality to others the second thing we need to remember is that peter was at this house that was owned by simon the tanner you know what a tanner is a tanner is a guy who works with animal skins so he he takes the skins off he gets them ready to be used for other purposes right well this uh, understand uh, to the jewish mind would make this person ceremonially unclean almost all the time And Peter was in this guy's house, which to me says that Peter had been being prepared for this journey that he's on, this long road that Cornelius is joining him on, that Peter is being geared up for that already. But for Peter to stand at that door and to invite these three Gentiles to stay in the same house that he was staying in was still a huge step for him. It was still a huge step for him. And Peter went ahead and, and made that step because sharing the love of Jesus is more important than the differences that maybe are set up with other folks around us. And you know, we understand that this whole idea of hospitality, while it's practiced differently in uh, our day and age, is still important. It's why we do things here at Wallula Christian Church like participate with the, the Shelter of Hope in and, and Leavenworth. We want to we wanna help share the resources that we have with others that need them. You know, it's why we do things like the third Thursday meals, because we want to share the resources God has given us to manage with others. We want to be hospitable. It's why our small groups are encouraged to meet in homes, because we know that, that you know, relationships are built, that, that that means something when you invite somebody else into your home. You know, we can practice, there are so many different ways that we can practice hospitality at Wallula and just in our neighborhoods to to share the love of Jesus with others. We've talked about them before. Think about and pray about, be prepared through prayer, right? Listen for those opportunities to share hospitality, to share the love of Jesus with others around you. There's so many opportunities. I was at a high school football game the other night and Sherry and I decided to sit in a different section than we usually do. You know, I suppose high school football games, basketball games, all that stuff is a little like church. You kind of find your spot, and then you go back to that spot over and over. And we decided, why don't we try down here? And so we we went over to a new section. We found ourselves sitting with all the band parents. I have to admit that it was a different perspective from which to watch a high school football game. You know, it was kind of interesting. I walked up the stairs, and there were literally this this couple, both of them, you know, mom and dad, they had books open on their laps. They were there for halftime, man. You know, the the T-shirts, I should have taken the picture of the actual T-shirts. I found the the image online of what the quote said. This is what their t shirts said. Many of the parents had on. The football team will be playing before and after tonight's featured performance of the marching band's halftime show right? So it's just a whole other world there in the whole band section. And I was looking around and I was really enjoying myself because, you know, I saw so many, I saw the football team, they were playing a game. I saw the band interacting and playing, you know, music and I I saw the flag corps that would would march, whatever they call them, you know, the twirly flag core, I guess. What are they? Okay. And so... (laughs) the color guard sorry so the color guard was doing their thing right and and you know they had cheerleaders and the the dance troupe and all these different things the student section they all had you know they have a special name and they had a spirit night so they had to dress up a certain way and they were all doing their high school thing and I thought man there's so many different ways for people to get involved and to build relationships and that's so cool Because what we know as sort of adults on this side of high school that while you're in high school you get lost in all that silliness and craziness that's high school and you worry about, you know, whether I'm in this group or that group or that group and none of it really matters. It doesn't matter if you played quarterback or trombone, right? What matters is the folks that you're doing that around, right? The relationships that are built while you're playing trombone matter and the relationships that are built while you're, you're in the color guard matter, right? And the relationships that are built while you're playing you know, your sport or whatever or in math class or whatever, that's what, that's what really matters. And that's true in high school and the same thing's true today, isn't it? That it doesn't matter the, the career we have, where we go to work, the neighborhood we live in. You know, none of that stuff really matters. What matters is the relationships that we're building and how we're sharing, you know, the love that God has shown us with those around us. We can be prepared to scooch over a little closer to the people next to us through prayer. We can listen closely for those opportunities, and we can live that out. We can practice that hospitality and that love with those that are around us. Let's stand and worship him today.